Hello, I'm Scott Smith, the writer, producer, and host of this podcast. I'm a professor of classics at the University of New Hampshire, and simply put, I'm a huge fan of Greek myth and mythology. I've made a career out of teaching, researching, and writing on the rich tradition of stories that the Greeks and later Romans told about their mythical past. Now, a lot of my work is meant for other scholars, but I also wanted to bring my expertise and long engagement with Greek myth to the public. So, welcome to the Greek Myth Files, where every two weeks or so we take one or more Greek myths, tell those stories, and break them down for you, the listeners. My goal is simple not just to give you good stories, but to give you an inside look into them and plumb their depths from a scholarly point of view. In this trailer, I'd like to introduce myself, describe the project's origin story, and end with one of my favorite recipes, which, I promise, ties into myth somehow. I got to the University of New Hampshire in 2000, where my first task was to teach a large section of classical mythology, one of our bread and butter classes, to about 250. Before that, I had only some exposure to myth. I was mainly interested in Latin and Roman history and wrote my dissertation on a Roman philosopher and politician, but I soon became deeply familiar with myth. Soon after arriving, my colleagues and I published a source book of myths, both common and rare, called The Anthology of Classical Myth, which I'm proud to say is in its second edition and has become one of the leading textbooks in college classrooms. Springing from that experience, one of those colleagues, Stephen Trascoma, and I translated the two most important ancient handbooks of Greek myth, Apollodorus's Library and Hyginus's Fabulae, which brought us into the little studied field of mythography. Basically, mythography is the study of how the Greeks and Romans themselves collected organized, and interpreted their own myths. Mythology, by contrast, is the modern field of studying those same stories. It's just a matter of perspective. Anyways, since then I've written several articles and edited multiple books on the subject, culminating with a 700-page book with over 30 authors that will appear next year, The Oxford Handbook of Greek and Roman Mythography. During all of this work, I've also created a major database project on Greek myth with a colleague from Canberra, Greta Hawes, and I am researching ways to visualize the relationship of mythical characters to each other and to the Greek landscape. So what are the Greek myth files? As the name suggests, it's a serial look into a number of stories told from an expert perspective. It all started a little over a year ago in a meeting with my undergraduate research team when we were cataloging myth from an ancient travel writer named Pausanias. I asked, what do you think about creating a podcast? Work stopped immediately. The students were very interested, so we created a small one-credit class in spring 2020 and began workshopping ideas. To my great fortune, I also had a student in a Latin class who was a DJ at the university radio station and who wanted experience as a sound engineer. Since I'm a virtual dinosaur and at the time had no real idea what a public would want, the students were extremely helpful in conceptualizing and thinking about what niche remain for a podcast about Greek myth, since the market out there is a bit saturated. We toyed with the idea that the podcast would have a spunky vibe, but that seemed wrong given that we had more to say and, while perhaps engaging, could wear thin quickly. 
After some other experiments, we settled on taking a serious tone with engaging topics, but always based on ancient sources and solid scholarship, all clocking in around 20 minutes. We all began writing our individual myth files. Then COVID hit, and we shifted to provide a timely but connected series on diseases and plagues. That's episodes one through four. Since then, I've conceptualized a series of podcasts on the basics of myth, what it is, what it isn't, what it does, and why it has survived. That will be episodes 5 through 10. After that, we'll turn to individual myths to be true to the title, The Greek Myth Files. Now, I happen to be interested in a lot more than just Greek myth. And before getting into that more deeply, I'd like you to get to know me a little better. First, you should know that I'm a great fan of baseball, both the major leagues, but also the minor leagues. And for the past 10 plus years, my college roommate and I have traveled the country to see as many minor league baseball parks as we can in a seven day stretch. We buy a baseball cap at each one, and I'm up to about 60 or so at the present moment. Actually, I like sports and games of all types, from golf to hockey to chess, bridge, and poker. I also love to exercise and avidly bike as much as I can. And in addition, I need some creative outlets, so I play trumpet and draw in pencil and charcoals whenever time allows me, which is not a lot. Around 5 p.m. most evenings, you'll find me in the kitchen cooking for me and my wife, who owns a sewing and yarn shop. If you were to ask me what dish I make most often, it's pasta alla carbonara, which is both easy to make and super delicious. It's essentially a combination of a pound of pasta, three or so eggs, three-fourths of a pound of a pancetta or bacon, Parmesan cheese, and some black pepper. Now, here's how we're going to tie this to Greek myth. As to the origin of this Italian dish, part of the so-called cucina romana, or Roman cuisine, well, it's not originally a Roman dish after all. As to its actual origins, there are plenty of stories about it, and it is hotly contested. First, there is the story that it was created by charcoal makers long ago in the mountains of central Italy called the Apennines, who were called the Carboni. The area is in the Abruzzese region, where there was a traditional dish featuring eggs and pasta and cheese. This explains the name Carbonara, of course, as does another explanation that the black pepper used in the dish looked like coal. Another version tells the tale that it was apparently the favorite dish of the Carbonari, a revolutionary group in the early 1800s, again explaining its name. A totally different view is that it comes from Naples. Adherents of this origin point to a recipe book of Neapolitan dishes that mentions one with pasta and eggs, but note no bacon product. A fourth, which seems to have gained hold, is that it was created when American soldiers brought a supply of bacon and powdered eggs to first Naples and then to Rome, and it caught on. And finally, there is Renato Gualandi, an Italian chef who, after the liberation of the city of Riccione on the Adriatic, was put in charge of a banquet for the victorious allies. But all there was were mostly military rations and not a lot of meat. As he tells the story, he created carbonara there on the spot. And this does not exhaust all the possible explanations. When Francesco Mazzei, a top Italian chef in London, was interviewed by Richard Vines of Bloomberg News, he put this issue very bluntly. Quote, There are so many stories on the history of carbonara, and we Italians never agree on anything. 
That's the story of Italy. By the way, that's from May 2020. Incidentally, Matze refuses to believe the story of any American origin at all. But what I love about all of these explanations is that they each have very ardent adherents. The people of the Abruzzese region hold fast to their regional explanation, and those in Naples are partial to the Neapolitan origin. Others are beholden to explain the name, Carbonara, with a series of etymological explanations. Now, all of this, the regional variants, etymological explanations, the multiple accounts, is the exact same sort of thing we're going to encounter in Greek myth. And even if all but one of them are wrong, they all have some importance and meaning to those who hold on to one or the other explanation. And of course, they can't all be right. But that doesn't stop people from telling tales, because after all, good stories matter to those who tell them. And that's why I want to bring the stories of Greek myth to you in this podcast, The Greek Myth Files. But it's time to wrap up this trailer. Who knew that in a podcast on myth, you'd get a recipe? But here goes, a simple recipe for spaghetti a la carbonara. All you need is a pound of spaghetti, three eggs, three quarters of a pound of bacon, pancetta, or guanciale sliced into matchsticks, and a good amount of pecorino or Parmesan cheese, say three handfuls or more. That's only four ingredients, but it's all about the timing. First, put a pot of salted water on to boil, and then crack three eggs into a large ceramic bowl, preferably one with a narrow bottom, and beat them well. For the third egg, however, use only the yolk. Throw away the egg white. It gets it extra creamy. Then start grating the cheese. As the water starts to show its first bubbles, but not quite boiling yet, get the bacon into the pan on medium heat. You want it to finish to a crisp crackling just as the pasta is coming to being done. Now you put the pasta in and go back to grating the cheese. When the pasta is al dente, take a half cup of the pasta water for the final mixing. Then drain the pasta in a colander, wait a few beats to cool ever so slightly, and then add it to the eggs. Immediately put in the bacon, grease and all, on top, and give it a good four or five stirs to mix it up. Then start adding the pecorino in handfuls, stirring constantly until there's a nice creamy sauce. Then you simply serve and enjoy. Now, people fight over proper carbonara. Do you put onions in it or not? Is there cream or not? No, I'm okay with onions, and I do it once in a while, but I'm not a cream fan. If you do add cream, don't do too much because it overshadows the cheese. And peas are an absolute no-no for me. My personal preference is a meatier pancetta over guanciale, which tends to be on the fattier side, but I've always had good results with a good hardwood smoked bacon. But just like many versions of Greek myth, all versions of carbonara are equally important to those who cook them, and all can coexist without violating the truth. But we'll get back to all this in a future episode. For now, I hope you'll join us in an appetizing selection of Greek mythical delights on the Greek Myth Files. Mm-hmm.